hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. What? Hello and welcome back to the Doctor Who podcast, a hamster with a blunt penknife, a commentary podcast with me, Dylan Rees. Oh, and me, Joe Ford. Hello. <laughs> there we go. I just I went a little bit rogue there, but uh, that's what you get if you get me to intro the podcast. I mean, you have to say your name. People just expect me to be here. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. So uh, what are we watching today? No, we're going to watch the second episode of The Daleks' Invasion of our Earth, which is confusingly called The Daleks. Daleks, yeah. But of course, we all know The Daleks isn't actually called The Daleks, but who knows? It'll always be The Daleks to me. Isn't there an episode of The Daleks called The Rescue? Yes, there is. It's all, <laughs> it's all very convoluted. Isn't um, there an episode of The Chase called Dimensions in Time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's an episode of this that's actually called The Tenth Planet Part Four. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that would be brilliant! <laughs> Jesus, that was a belly laugh there, wasn't it? <laughs> well, look, let's just scoot straight in, shall we? All right, yeah, let's I'm do it. I'm ready for this. Um, and you intro, so I'll count us in. In Perfect. three, two, one, let's go. So finally, we're going to see some Dalek action, and well, as I've already discussed, I'm sure it's going to be extremely well realised. <laughs> It's going to be better than the movie. That's what I've heard. It's going to be epic stuff. So this was the first episode of Doctor Who to ever enter the uh, top 10 of viewing figures. I think it was about 12 million people or something watched it. This is the first time it ever charted. You know, I've been I've been listening to Toby Haydock's wonderful Too Much Information. Oh, it's wonderful, oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, so I listen to his and then I start putting mine together and go, oh dear, <laughs> I'm still in the nursery. Um, sometimes he graces me with his presence on this, you know, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm very honoured. You're a lucky man. And um, like there's lots of sort of conversation in those early episodes about Doctor Who. Well, we're only going to give it 12. We're only going to give it, you know, a run of 10 episodes or eight episodes or something like that. Honestly, God, those people that were making those choices must be eating humble pie at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is technically Doctor Who's first anniversary. So this, the first episode one, I think, was broadcast, it was around November, I want to say it was November 21st, actually. So we're worried, I mean, obviously you wouldn't celebrate it, but it's quite apt that, you know, it's it's back with this. It's in the zeitgeist now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, and yeah. it, this season is just on a run of incredible viewing figures. Yeah, it is. And they just, I mean, you're doing the Web Planet, well, as we record this. You're, the, that's where it peaks, isn't it? Yeah, I think it does for a long, long time. Like, it's, what, 13, 14 million, something like that? I think that's the highest until Ark in Space 2. Wow. It's got, like, 13.6 or something like that. Um, now I'm not I'm not blaming the arc sorry the web planet entirely you know <laughs> for the viewing figures dovetailing you know heading over a cliff like that but yeah. boy oh boy it was massively popular and obviously Dalek Mania was going oh, yeah. a bit crazy because this is the first instance obviously in Doctor Who of a returning element yeah it's it's exciting stuff and I can just see why you can see why kids love Daleks and I tell you what I've always hated the voices in this story but they are so much more imitatable that for kids than say the Nick Briggs version almost not not to slight the Nick Briggs version because it's great but mm. they're all very like we are the, the, like 
you can you can just imitate them like that. The ring modulation that they're using is barely audible, I think. And I do it because I'm a little bit camper than you. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we are the masters of Earth. We are... It's very camp, isn't it? Isn't we, it? we also get that very hesitant Dalek that go, uh, that comes up in a bit where he's about to make a speech to everybody and he goes up to the microphone and he goes, ah, ah, ah. As bad as that one in the chase, you know, who goes, uh, oh, yeah. uh, 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 <laughs> three, no, four minutes, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, obviously, in the back of everyone's minds, you know, after the Second World War, the, the most scary force to conquer the Earth is a load of camp Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Daleks don't become the Daleks probably until Daleks Master Plan slash yeah. Power of the Daleks. Like, I think at this point, they're still in their infancy. You know, there's a moment coming up, actually, in a few minutes where they kill somebody and the Dalek leader just goes kill him like that That's, I feel like really scary them just yeah. saying kill him rather yeah. than exterminate. yeah so there's no the catchphrases aren't quite there I believe somewhere in this story is the first exterminate um but it's, yeah like they're not quite people I guess even Terry Nation describes them as beings or people or something like that within this script and it's just a bit like Oh, people, the writers and the producers haven't quite thought about what the Daleks actually are at this point. And they they kind of change and they can become a little bit funny at, at times like they do in The Chase. And even in this where one of them chats to a mannequin briefly. Oh, oh that bit's agonising. Isn't, <laughs> isn't it just? So it's... And you think like, you, you know, like a smart director would cut away quick, but Richard Martin yeah. was there for, you know, a couple of minutes. Yeah. It, it, so the, the Daleks here are, they are, they feel threatening enough, mm. but they're not, for me, they're not the terrifying thing that they will become. And effectively, there has to be like a page one rewrite on the Daleks, because in the Daleks, it's kind of like the end of their story, isn't it? It's like yeah. they can't leave the city for whatever well, I can't remember why now they 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 need the power from the static floor. electricity in it yeah to stay in the city and all of that so effectively they they are being rewritten to fit into this story yeah well this is lose a little something for that in terms of sort of being unique but as like a a force a threatening force well they've you know, thrown plague missiles at the planet, taken over yeah. a bunch of people. Like, uh, not many Doctor Who monsters get this far, do they? <laughs> no, very true. And I think this is this is the first kind of big sci-fi story they do in terms of like we're bringing it back to Earth. The threats, like a a local threat, and also it's the first time the Doctor, I think, is the hero that chooses to stay, and it's like we better we better defeat them. Which before that, I don't think he ever does. He's just involved in a situation that they're trying to get out of, and sometimes they defeat a baddie on the way. Well, it's very different from the last time he met the Daleks, and he's spinning them <laughs> a load of bullshit just because he wanted to investigate the city. Yeah, yeah, very true. I love. There is a, there's a massive retooling of the character. Sorry, sorry, you saying? I, I was just going to say very quickly. I love the Daleks coming down this ramp throughout every episode of this just just keep watching as they all whiz down but uh, yes <laughs> as the you person inside's going shit <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, so Arnold's the... speech here then where he says you know oh you poor pathetic creatures to destroy everyone on earth yeah. you know you'd have to destroy yeah. all living matter and we're going to stop you and all that this is like the first time he's really been written in this mold yes and he, he is he is very much the hero all of a sudden and this is where 
the show become starts to become a little bit more about the Doctor. Even that first season, I think, is really Ian and Barbara's story of of, yeah. of them trying to get home and being whisked off, kidnapped, absolutely kidnapped, and taken into time and space. But uh, what a kidnapping, eh? It's it's great. And uh, you know, the point where I know where they'd been institutionalized was that bit in I think it's the Censorites where they start reading out the wiki entry. Well, we've been to the Aztecs. <laughs> <and> we, <laughs> popped off with marco polo and it's like, okay they've settled in do you have one thing that's really annoying about this story is no. i think the sets are really good yeah and i i feel that for a, a kind of tiny budget and a small studio they they it paints an impressive picture and it's the direction that yeah. doesn't get into the detail of the set because there there was a shot a minute ago where you saw the saucer that sort of painted backdrop of the houses Mm. And it felt sort of vast, but now it's all tight shots, so you're not uh, seeing anything. Yeah, he, he just doesn't know how to work the studio. And as you say, if it was Douglas Camfield or somebody else, you would mm. it, you would get a very different... Barry? Yeah, Christopher Barry would do a great job. You can see that little cardboard Dalek in the background there. and I mean, that's kind of unavoidable, but yeah, it's all... It just it doesn't... Look at that disco Dalek there. What, what colours are it? <laughs> Do we know what colour that Dalek is? I don't know. He's, he's, he's stripy. But, so I think by next week he's completely black. But I don't know oh, why. This, this was Pride Week. That's why. Yes. He's different colours this week. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, I think there's a really savvy mood that's made in that we're doing this sort of big epic story. But there's a lot of intimate little stories going on throughout. And you've got David, you've got Jenny, you've got Dortmund, you've yeah. got Bernard Kay's character. Oh, I can't remember what he's called. That fella. That fella, um, yeah. But but they separate all these guest characters off or pair them off with one of the regulars. So there's all of these different subplots going on. And we're learning a lot about the characters. So there's a, there is an intimacy to this. Yeah. As well as telling like, the big invasion. And I think... I think the time, the six episode length allows for those little stories to happen. Mm. Um, I love the Jodie Whittaker era and you won't hear me slag it off very much at all. But I think sometimes one of the criticisms that can be leveled is sometimes you've got four companions delivering one companion's line and it needs more of like, let's separate them all off and do do different things. But um Dylan, I love the Jodie Whittaker career as well. Good, good. It's a wonderful era. Will you come era. on this thing and do one of those, please? Oh, absolutely, 100%. I, like, there were very few episodes from that run that I haven't revisited and loved and loved again. So. In the middle of this Dalek Invasion of Earth commentary, I'm going to ask you to do my personal favourite of the entire era because no one's chosen it yet. And a lot of the other few of those ones have gone, Demons of the Punjab. I okay, wonderful. Love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll be there. It's, okay. it's a lovely story. Very... Very subtle. I actually, this, this is a, I'm going to name drop here. I went to Vinay Patel's house the other day. Um, <laughs> never did. Oh, you, you see him again. Please tell him two things. One, he's extremely handsome, and here's my number. He and is two, a very handsome man. Both of his episodes are stunningly good. Yeah, they are. They are. He's um, and he seems like a lovely chap. May I ask why you went to Vinay Patel's house the other day? Um, it was a work-related visit. But, uh, oh, I, okay. I work in film and television, and I can't really say much about the project. It's not Doctor Who. I'm not doing Doctor Who, unfortunately. But uh, yes, we it was it was work-related. Uh, we were there for about an hour, and uh, very nice he was too. Well, he's an extremely talented man. In fact, I can make a parallel between this and Demons of the Punjab because that also tells a very epic story in an extremely intimate way as well. Yes, it does. It does. Possibly slightly more successfully than 
Oh, visually, it's oh yeah, just beautiful. It is. It's 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 a beautiful story. Well, yeah, I'll definitely. But you know, you don't get all the Dan Dare excitement in Demons of the Punch. No, you, know? you don't. I I always think about that first Jodie Whittaker series that it's episodes like that. It's suddenly pitched for Sunday night. It's not a Saturday night yeah, adventure definitely. series anymore. It's like no, this is Doctor Who for a Sunday night, so it's going to be slightly. Do you not think Demons absolutely exemplifies that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Sort of very polished historical drama. Yeah, with a few aliens thrown in because it is Doctor mm-hmm. Who. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a wonderful definitely stuff. stuff like it takes you away as well, which is sort of yeah. very cerebral, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it takes you away that I've seen. I, I, that's one of the episodes I've rewatched the most. I think no, from I've not done that one either. You know, maybe we'll do a double bill. Uh-huh. Perfect. I'm there. We'll we'll do the whole season. No. <laughs> I see we're booking you in for loads here now, aren't I? <laughs> oh, so there's a whole sequence here in a minute where William Harnell yeah. is going to escape from this cell. And we go through this yeah. whole long tedious thing with the ring, don't we? And uh, <laughs> yeah. magnets and yeah. Oh, Terry Nation loves a magnet. Um, but again, I think it's that thing of it's a scientific process that kids can understand. Yeah. And, and it's still that educational remit of the show. So I, I kind of see why he throws in static electricity and magnets and things like that, because it is I swear it's easy for a kid to get in a way that a, a long load of techno babble necessarily wouldn't be. I, I just think, like, you're talking about kids there. I think this is so genius. It might be such an obvious idea, the Dalek invasion of Earth, yeah. Yeah. Looking back now. But the Daleks were massively popular in that first story. What is the yeah, most yeah. exciting thing you can do with them? Of course, bring them to Earth. And it's just brilliant, I think. No wonder those viewing figures shot up. I bet yeah, those Dalek and... suits were in hot demand. What did you say this went out in November? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Those fabulous PV suits, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to get one myself one day. So they're a bit yeah. pricey. I'd, I'm trying to. At some point, I'm going to buy a full size Dalek. I've been eyeing one up for years, and um, I mean I'm... this in a completely non-threatening way. Yeah, <laughs> but do you mind if I play with your Dalek? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you, you can come over and play with my Dalek anytime. One of my friend has got uh one of the Day of the Daleks, oh, nice. the gold one, um, and it's just beautiful. I'd oh. like one of the new, the bronze ones from the new series. I think I actually want a movie one. Oh yes, I'll bet I, they're expensive though. Yeah, well, the the movie ones and the new series ones are the most expensive. You can get there. You go whizzing down. They're whizzing down the ramp here. And there's that shot I was telling you about. There, look, the, yeah. the camera is very high in the studio. Yeah. Because apparently they were pretty sort of, they were a bit like Daleks, those cameras, weren't they? A bit yeah. And, I mean, look yeah. at the depth there. Can you see the row of houses? Yeah, no, it That's looks really, really nice. And enough. then and then you're on the same set a few minutes earlier and a few minutes later, and it looks like they're shooting it in a cupboard. It's yeah. like, it, it's, they it's were. Weird. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you just saw a woman just come into shot then and get, like, battered. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty brutal stuff. stuff isn't it? Yeah. I love this whole little um, explanation of the Daleks' invasion and they cut between the, them on the saucer, there's mm. that little flashback, and then there's also the stuff with Susan and Barbara learning about it. Like, again, it's really well sort of written by Terry Nation. You know, I've got to get this exposition here, but I don't want to just be focused on one person for the whole time. There are absolutely ways to deliver ex- exposition, aren't there? And some writers have it and some writers don't. Glenn McCoy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm being rude. Do you know, I, you know, the, the Dalek scheme here is to pilot the planet. Yeah. Now, two other writers, Nicholas Briggs and Rusty Davis, have also nabbed this idea and both refer to this. So, into the death in uh, Big Finish's run, yeah. uh, Nick Briggs says that they were trying to turn the Earth into a plague planet, which would roam oh. the universe. And I think that's a big, scary idea. It is. Surprisingly good for Nick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Whereas Rusty Davis suggests it's part of a gigantic super weapon. It's like yeah. the Earth was wanted to create this thing that's going to destroy every single particle in the universe or something. <laughs> It's it's an absolutely bonkers idea. I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's again, you don't get that on other shows because other shows take themselves far too seriously. But yeah. Doctor Who goes, no, they want a planet fucking Earth, and for what? For what? But and then they shove a, a camera in Julian Bleach's face and say, right, say this speech, <laughs> right, this batshit crazy speech. People, yeah. planets, and stars. You know, <laughs> yeah. great stuff. Well, who? What do you think of these guest characters then? Of Dortmund, Jenny. I think it's Tyler, isn't it? That's yeah, Tyler. That's it. So again, I kind of just associate them with the movie version, and this almost feels like a, a bit of an imitation for me. However, Jenny isn't in the movie version. I don't think. Yeah, and I, th- I think she's by far the most interesting one because she's got. There's that scene later on where Dortmund goes. Um, you know, Dove, she deals with it in her own way. She's obviously just been through some really traumatic shit because of what, what's happened. So, of course, she's cold and callous. Um, Do we ever get and- her backstory, though? To, I know, obviously, like, she's traumatised because of what's happened. Yeah. Do we I find out much I'm... about her? I don't think we do. No, I, I, think, I think you're right. Um, and, well, when we get that spin-off series, I'm sure we'll find out all about her. But uh... what, what, Jenny, not the Doctor's daughter? Yeah, exactly. Spin-off series. <laughs> There's a wonderful story on the documentary of Jacqueline Hill and, oh, good grief, Anne Davies, that's her name, isn't it, Jenny, yeah. meeting in this. And they were lifelong friends after this. And oh, it really? turns out, yeah, it turns out about 10 years later, Jacqueline Hill and Alvin Rakoff, her husband, moved into the same street as Anne Davies and her husband, Richard yeah. Bryars. And they were just dining together all the time. And like after they quit acting, I think Anne Davis and Jacqueline Hill did like open university together and stuff like wow. that. Friends right up until Jacqueline Hill died. There's a few wow. stories like that of people meeting in Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd I'd like to go to one of their dinner parties. Sounds <laughs> like a laugh. I, I think, but conversely, like I'm sure William Russell said that he never heard from Jacqueline Hill again or something like that. Really? I could be, I could be wrong, but I feel like and maybe we'll find out more in the season two Blu-ray box set interview with William Russell, but I swear he said he never really heard from her again afterwards, which is a shame. I'm sure there'll be some tasty tidbits in the five hundred hours of bonus material <laughs> that Blu-ray set. Oh, I live for that stuff, you know. Oh, me too, me too. I'm a bit worried about the William Russell interview just because they showed some clips from it. He the seems PFI. a bit shaky, doesn't he? I mean, you know, he's he's old, and, and obviously that's that that's what happens. But it's just it's just quite sad when you see people like I'm very lucky that I've still got a grandparent um, who's probably about the same age, and he, my granddad, he's of a similar. You know, you just don't get a lot of coherent sort of sentences out of him anymore and i just it's just a bit sad when you see someone like william russell who's 
had an amazing career and his interviews with him are always fantastic and it's yeah but uh it'll, it'll, it'll be nice to see it and maybe we'll get a couple more revelations I think Matthew Sweet does such a brilliant job on those interviews because he manages to talk to them. I think he's done people like Katie Manning, has he? Nicola Bryant, yeah. that. and he knows all of the usual anecdotes. He so does. he diverts away from all of that and just digs a little deeper. He managed to get a new anecdotes and new things out of Tom Baker, which I thought nobody <laughs> ever do. It, even just like I remember, he asked Tom. He's talking about the building, him working on the building society, uh, building site. And you expect the same old story. And um, Matthew Sweet just goes, but how did that make you feel? So rather than yeah. what was this situation, like how, did, how does it feel to be that person doing that? And so Tom's answering the same questions that he's always got in a different way almost. And he's just a fantastic interviewer. I think as well, he had the balls he had to get Michael Grade on. And that was yeah. a brilliant interview. Like I yeah. thought, oh, I don't like Michael Grade very much. I mean, we like the TV that he's created and things like that. But I, I love the interview. I learned so much. Yeah, it was great. It was, it, it was great. I, and even, I mean, he almost gets a, he almost gets Katie Manning to say that Nicholas Courtney was bisexual, but then she, she kind of does, doesn't, doesn't she? Yeah. I, I didn't realise that until she said that. Yeah, no. about him struggling with his sexuality. Yeah, and she kind of says something and then darts over it, but it's just a little nugget of somebody's life that you that, that you didn't normally get. It's um, and honestly, well, we love priming into the personal lives of <laughs> that uh, life and scandalous times of. John Nathan Turner. Oh my gosh. I read that in about a day. It's a massive yeah. book. Yeah, I know. I, I, it, was, it was exactly the same. I remember getting at the time, and all my friends were like, "Oh, you, what, what's that book about?" I was like, "It's you can't seem to put it down." It's like it's about the final producer of classic Doctor Who. They're like, "That sounds so boring." I'm like, <laughs> "If you read this, you'd be going through it as quickly as I am." Aren't you going to sleep today? No, I'm too busy learning <laughs> gossip about John Nathan Turner. Leave me alone. You know, like. This is juicy stuff from my podcast. Come on. It's a fantastic book. I do like the documentary that was on the Blu-rays about him, but it was it it shied over some of the less controversial elements, which is fine because sometimes you want to celebrate someone's life without having to go into the more salacious bits. I think with John Nathan Turner, or oh, way off piece, but who cares? This is yeah. interesting. With John Nathan Turner, um, I think if you listen to the Big Finish memoirs that he did, yeah. and that's mostly production detail, but really interesting. You read the Scandalous Times book, which is his personal life, and that's pretty toxic and absolutely yeah. fascinating. And then what was the other one you just said? The um, documentary. Chris, yeah, the documentary. Chris Chapman, is it? Yeah, and I yeah. think that paints a really good story of how his career was on the rise he took on Doctor Who and then it kind of yeah. crashed and burned. So as a whole, all those three things, that really paints a vivid picture. It's a shame that we never got him to, you know, obviously it's a very shame that he didn't live longer, but that perhaps he never got to tell his story as he would have liked to have told this because his memoirs are very, they're not very salacious at all, considering no. the sort of person he was. It's, as you say, it's all very production heavy. But he's not really. I mean, that was in Doctor Who magazine. He's not going to sit there typing, well, and this Doctor Who fan was there and I whispered in his ear, have you ever had two inside you? you know, like, <laughs> I don't think... What a guy. There was, see, there was another example there of pretty shoddy direction in that it's got a fantastic idea. You've got the spotlight in the darkness that's picking yeah. up garlics. And it could kind of be really nightmarish if that was yeah. shot well. But yeah. it looks like 
just a, a stationary camera and a light just yeah. shooting around the set. Yeah, and it keeps going on to the cardboard Dalek that they've got to bolt the numbers up. And it's like, <laughs> you could do some really interesting stuff where you make it so dark, you can reuse the same Daleks again and again. But it just it just doesn't quite work. There's a, a moment we get earlier on. Oh, there's another Dalek going down the ramp. Um, earlier on, that I think we might have missed of them going to robotize the Doctor and one of the Daleks just goes, take his coat off. And I just thought, why can't why can't robo men be robotized with their coats on? It's just a very <laughs> odd thing. It's like very no, they just make their coats bloody hideous. <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> I just saw William Hunter being manhandled on that table. I was like, what on earth is going on here? He's <laughs> <laughs> flat out. Um, I, do, I quite like these sets as well, the, yeah, the spaceship sets. They feel quite big. They do, and they've got two tiers, so I think it's, we may have missed it, but there's at some point you see somebody on a top level and the Daleks lower down. Like They're really going for it. Oh, I just I just think, like, um, think about the direction of the Crusade later on yeah. in this season. Do you remember the sequence where um, Saladin, is that Bernard Kay's character? Yeah is first revealed listening mm. and the camera comes for a curtain and he's in the half dark and there's yeah. action going on behind him and it's so skillfully put together and i think to myself man if some of that was in here this mm -hmm. would you know and i think this is good yeah this could be exceptionally good it could it could in fact we, well we, we know we've seen the better version already on the on, on the, movie. the movie yeah, yeah. What's your favorite bit in that movie oh i mean i i like the bits, I think it's, oh, there's a couple of bits. Probably the bit where the TARDIS gets, like, all the rubble falls on it. Like, that version is just so much better. Um, I do like the scene in the, with the Robo-Men and, the, like, the eating the food and Bernard Cribbins just being very slapstick about it all. Do you know what bit I love? It's a bit where Philip Maddock tricks them. And yeah. then um, he's like, yeah, I told you they'd be here, didn't I? And all those Daleks around that. <laughs> and they blow the shit out of it, don't they? Yeah, they blow the shit. Inside. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's well, look, if you um, if you dare to sit in the mastermind chair for a second again, whilst I head back to Twitter yeah, and ask me. a few questions, the wonderful Jack Coyer would like to know what other cities and national landmarks would you like to see the Daleks patrolling through? Oh, that's that's interesting. Um... I mean, I'd just like to see them like down my local Tesco's or something like that. It's <laughs> quite nice to see them in normal normal places, just down an aisle there. Otherwise... Do you know what? If, Rossi, if this was being done now, that totally yeah. would be being done, wouldn't it? Make it <laughs> utterly domestic. Yeah, on the streets of Soho, you know, maybe in the sort of 60s and 70s. Uh, visiting various sex clubs and sex shops and things like that. Maybe we just, Dar, let's go shopping. I think so, yeah, for a little, <laughs> little handbag, you know. Hey, lovely. <laughs> well, the All of Time and Space podcast would like to know, honestly, people are trying to be very witty with these questions, who would win in a clash of the bouffons between David Campbell and Stephen Taylor? Oh, Stephen Taylor, any any day. He's got a much better wig, and I feel like, you know, his hair just his hair is just solid and stays there the whole time throughout Time and Space. He's got so much volume in it. It's like he's stuck his finger in a power socket, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, one last one then for this episode. David Rennie asks, um, that episode one cliffhanger, what on earth do you think that Dalek has been doing under that water? <laughs> do you know what? 
I, I saw that and I thought, well, he's probably just crossing from the other side, you know. I, That's I, what I thought. Yeah, he's just he's just yeah. going across the river. Yeah, if I could, I live on the River Thames, and if I could get to the other side by walking underneath, I absolutely bloody would. But uh, it's not to be. So the Daleks have got it locked because they're they're better than us. Those fabulous water taxis, don't they? They can go straight in. Well, yeah, they do, but they don't. They don't float around the bit where I where I am. It's very disappointing. Oh, really? Yeah. I was about to ask where you are then, but then everyone will know where you live. And... I, I, well, I mean, I'm not going to give my full address on the podcast. <laughs> I, 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 live, I live in an Please area... Please send called... hate mail to the following address if you do not agree with the opinions. <laughs> I live in an area called Wapping, uh, and it's parts of the Talons of Wen Chiang were filmed here many years ago. So I live about five minutes away from Professor Lightfoot's house, and uh, the opening bit where... They, they pull the body out of the river and he, she goes, you know, make it all sick, that would. <laughs> there it is, Gov. <laughs> you wouldn't want that served up with onions. <laughs> That's it. You not you don't live around where they, they did that entire Terry Nation's army video, do you? Around there? No. It's so it's it, there's various points along along the river that all of them reasonably walkable from mine, but I think that's on the, the other side. So it's, the, unfortunately, when I watched that video, I was like, oh, I'm going to see my house. And the answer is no. Nice. Also, I live nice. in kind of a newer build further down the road rather than the uh, the lovely Victorian houses, which, um, and warehouses that are very, very expensive. Well, you've kind of been very specific whilst not being specific at all about where your house is. So people can sort of throw the fan mail in that general direction. Yeah, they, sure could, prob- they could probably find my local quite easily from, from, from yeah. what I've just said. Leave it there then, folks. <laughs> um, but you and I are heading into the Day of Reckoning. Can't wait. Are you ready to face this? I'm ready to face this. Let's do it.